Hey guys, welcome to the National Deer Association's Deer Season 365 podcast. I'm your host, Brian Grossman, and today, hey, we got another great episode lined up for you guys. With deer season right around the corner, we thought this would be a great time to talk trail cameras and trail camera strategy. And more specifically, we're going to really dive into cellular trail cameras, uh, how they've kind of changed the game, some best practices for using them. We're going to dive into some ethics concerns surrounding the use of cellular trail cameras, as well as just some some pretty cool tips and techniques that you may not have thought of. And uh, to do this, we're going to be jumping on the line with Mark Olis of Pragco Outdoors. Mark is the content marketing manager for the hunting side of Pragco. And if you're not familiar with Pragco, they own a, a whole host of outdoor companies, including Moultrie and Moultrie Mobile. And so Mark gets to deal with trail cameras uh, on pretty much a daily basis as part of his job, but he's also an avid trail cam user out in the field as well. So we thought it'd be great to get him on here and really dive deep into the use of cellular trail cameras. So I know you guys are going to enjoy that, get a lot out of that. Uh, Before we jump on the phone with Mark, though, as always, we have a few housekeeping items that we need to take care of. Uh, First off, this episode is brought to you by our friends at OnX. Uh, OnX is my go-to app when it comes to scouting hunting properties, uh, both in the field as well as at home on my desktop computer. And man, they just keep adding features to improve what what is already a great product. Uh, If you haven't checked out their new 3D view feature, On the app, uh, be sure to give that a look. Man, it really brings those terrain features to life by giving you a a three-dimensional look at your hunting property. Uh, They've also recently added a new crop data layer, and that's really helpful if you're hunting in in an area with agriculture and and maybe you're trying to figure out, you know, which fields are going to be in beans this year, which ones may be in corn by looking at 2020 data. Uh, that's now available to you right there on OnX. So you can really get an idea of where you need to be for that early season hunt versus the late season hunt. Uh, so so check that out. And if you're not currently an OnX user and you want to give it a try, or maybe you're, you're already an OnX user and your membership you know, is going to be expiring here soon, you can use the promo code NDA. And not only will you save 20%, but OnX will also make a small donation to the National Deer Association as well on your behalf. So uh, be sure to check that out. Check out OnX and be sure to use that promo code NDA. And uh, while we're discussing promo codes, this is a, this seems like the perfect time to also mention our membership offer that we've talked about on the last couple of podcast episodes. If you're not a member of the National Deer Association, or again, if you just want to renew your membership, we have a special promo code just for our podcast listeners. And that is simply the word podcast. Go, go to DeerAssociation.com, click on that join or renew link, and use the promo code podcast. And that's going, that's going to knock $5 off your annual membership, and it's going to get you a free NDA cap. So you get a little swag to go along with your, your $5 discount. Uh, you can't beat that. So be sure to, to take advantage of that offer. A um, few more things on the list here. We have our Habitat Enhancement Module coming up August 6th through the 8th in Pennsylvania at the Bearded Buck Showcase Farm. That's That's been a very popular course of ours over the last few years. It's led by Dr. Craig Harper, and that name is probably familiar to you. If you're, in, if you're interested in any way in, in habitat management, you've probably heard Dr. Harper, maybe seen some of his videos, read some of his articles. 
but man, he is a, he's a phenomenal speaker first and foremost, but he is just a wealth of knowledge when it comes to anything habitat related, whether that's uh, prescribed fire, food plots, uh, early successional habitat, herbicide use, uh, you name it, he, he can, uh, he can break it down for you. So that I know that'll be a, a really good course. Again, that, that typically sells out for us. So if you're interested in that, like I said, it's coming up here really quick. You can jump on our website at deerassociation.com, click on the conserve tab at the top and look for deer steward. And from there, in-person modules is what you're looking for. And that'll get you to our habitat enhancement modules and you can get registered and signed up for that course. If you want to stick closer to home, you can check out our upcoming beer and deer webinar. That one uh, you can enjoy from the comfort of your home and that's free. It's uh, We have those the second Monday of every month at 7 p.m. Eastern time. So the next one's coming up here on August 9th. And that one will feature uh, Dr. Will Goldsby of Auburn University. And he's going to be talking on the predator trap, challenging traditional thinking on predator management for deer. So that's going to be a really interesting one. I would encourage you to get signed up for that. Like I said, it doesn't cost you anything uh, but an hour or so of your time. And you can, you can learn a little bit about predator management. Uh, if you want to check out some of our past beer and deer webinars, you can do that on our YouTube channel. So be sure to, uh, to be sure to check those out. That's uh, just a lot of great free information available right there at your fingertips. If you want to register for one of the upcoming courses, you can do that on our website, deerassociation.com. Look under the get involved menu for the beer and deer webinar link. So click on that. You can see uh, which ones we have coming up here uh, through the rest of 2021 and get registered for an upcoming course. And the last thing I want to touch on before we jump on the phone here with Mark is our NDA fund summer fundraising drive that's going on right now. Uh, if you're in our database, you probably received a letter in the mail about that uh, here recently. Or, you know, if you're on our email list, an email went out earlier this week just kind of explaining what we're doing here. But we're simply raising funds to further the mission of the National Deer Association and if you're not familiar with that, the mission is simply to ensure the future of wild deer, wildlife habitat, and hunting. And there's four ways we're doing that. Um, first is policy and advocacy. So we're, we're fighting for wild deer and, and we're fighting for your hunting heritage at the local, state, and national levels. Uh, we're focused on herd health, finding a cure for things like chronic wasting disease and how to better manage things like uh, EHD outbreaks. Uh, a third thing is education and outreach. So we're still out there providing educational resources on managing deer and managing the habitat like we've always done. Uh, and R3 is the fourth thing. And if you're not familiar with R3, uh, that's hunter recruitment, retention, and reactivation. So we're, we're just trying to get that next generation involved in the outdoors. We're trying to retain the hunters that we already have and reactivate some of those that maybe were hunters at one time, but they've, uh, for one reason or another, their lives got busy and, and they just kind of put hunting on the back burner. Uh, so we need those, we need those hunters to ensure the future of our hunting heritage. And so those are kind of our four key focus areas uh, for 2021 and beyond. So we hope you'll help us out with that. Uh, any gift you can give will, will help kind of propel our mission work into this year of, of recovery and, and achievement, because, you know, 
uh, conservation organizations like yourself, we've we've been through a very trying time with this whole pandemic. Basically, our key fundraising component was shut down for for well over a year. Fortunately, we're starting to have some events come back, some uh, different things going on that are going to help with that. But we still need your help, and that's why we're doing this fundraising drive right now. So again, any help you can you can give us there would be much appreciated. If you want to check that out or learn more about that, you can go to our website at deerassociation.com backslash NDA fund, deerassociation.com slash NDA fund, and learn a little bit more about our, our fundraising drive right now. And with that, we're going to jump on the phone here with Mark Olis and talk a little cellular trail camera strategy. All right, guys, I got Mark Olis on the line here. Mark, how you doing? I'm good. I'm good. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, no, no problem. I appreciate it. I'll go ahead and, and warn you, I'm, I'm battling a little sinus crud right now. So uh, I'll go ahead and apologize ahead of time if, if uh, you hear me coughing or sniffling in the background here. But uh, I'll, I'll try to keep that to a minimum. But I, I, I understood. I do appreciate you coming on the podcast. Um, I know a lot of guys are, are kind of starting to turn their attention to deer season as as we record this now once once by the time this launches um yeah they'll be in the full uh planning mode at that point for sure but um i know like i said i'm getting fired up just finally actually got out this past weekend and put out the first few cameras of the season for me and so it's uh yeah it's getting to to be that time of year it is it is yeah it's it's hard to believe it's just here in a few days it'll be june and uh you know with it Guys are already starting to show those pictures around social media <laughs> with the, the the new headgear coming in. So it is. It's definitely time. Yeah, I know. Sometimes in the past, I've, I've generally waited till a little later. You know, later June, July, when you can really kind of start to tell, um, you know, what those deer are going to look like. But I, I guess I was getting a little cabin fever. I was just ready to get out and, and start running them, and uh, you know, it still. It, get the experience anyway, even though, you know, it might not tell me a whole lot of information at this point, but, uh, you know, just get you, get you That's outdoors, right. lets me explore some new areas and that kind of stuff. So. Absolutely. Well, and you, and, and you learn a lot from those cameras that are placed in the summer, you know, a lot, a lot of guys, we don't traditionally run them that time of year. And you really learn about how deer utilize your place, what foods they're going to and thing like, things like that. It's, it's pretty interesting. It's, then obviously once the fawns start start dropping, that's a really cool to get on camera. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. That that brings up a good question here. Do you do you run your trail cameras year round, or you put them out generally a certain time of year, or how, how does that work for you? So I, I would say I I lean year round, but it, it, probably not totally year round. So what I do is is obviously I've got my cameras running, you know end of July for sure they're running and uh I hunt in Alabama so you know our bucks are a little bit behind the most of yeah. the country on throwing antlers and all that so uh so anyways late July I usually start placing those cameras and uh you know somewhere in August we'll, we'll usually get feed out in select locations so we can start seeing what kind of deer are in our area what's there Especially on the bucks, we try to manage for mature deer, so we're looking at those guys. And uh, you know, so we will have cameras out from that late July time frame on through the entire deer season, and then 
we'll leave them out or tweak them right at the end for turkey season coming up. We use them heavily for turkey season. Okay. Um, and so turkey season just went out uh, here in Alabama. So uh, I still have cameras that are up and running. And until I go get those, I'm, I'm still monitoring the deer out there. You know, all the food plots are this tall. Yeah. And they're still, uh, the deer and the turkey are still in them though, you know, eating the clover and different things like that. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, before we dive too much into the strategy side of it, I, I would like to get you to to tell the folks just a little bit about, you know, who you are and maybe how you got introduced to hunting and, and the trail camera use and all that. Sure, absolutely. Well, I, I grew up uh, south of Birmingham and I guess it would be the very early 90s. My, my dad started me small game hunting, stuff like that. And uh, you know, within a few years, kind of in that middle school time frame, uh, you know, I hear my buddies talking about going to deer camp and, and stuff like that. And my dad was never a deer hunter, but, you know, I, I kind of caught the bug and, and we got in a little hunt club in southwest Alabama. And, you know, like so many guys uh, across the country, you know, it was a, uh, a few thousand acres, probably had 20 something members. So it was private land, but it was it was still pressured deer hunting. And, uh you know, kind of grew up doing that, went to Auburn University and uh, in, in studied journalism there and, and continued my passion for hunting. And uh, once I graduated Auburn, I got into uh, the outdoor publishing uh, world magazine specifically. Uh, I was an editor on Predator Extreme and Whitetail Journal ma- magazines uh, there for over a 10 year period. Uh, and then about three years ago, um, I came over to Pradco, uh, which Moultrie Mobile uh, lies under Pradco, and and so now I I, I work full time on the the Moultrie Mobile brand and the products and the the software and app and all that. Okay, cool. Now, at, I guess at what point in your in your hunting career there did you take an interest in trail cameras? How long you been been running them? Well, you know, I think I got my first Moultrie camera. Believe it or not, it was it was a Moultrie. Uh, I, I would have to say it was towards kind of the, the late 90s, uh, you know, maybe in that 97, 98 range uh, when the, uh, the digital cameras were, were kind of just coming out and, and getting more and more popular. So somewhere in the late 90s, I, I, you know, had one camera, started with one and, you know, used that to hone in on my spots. You know, they, those were a lot, seemed like a lot more uh, valuable uh, commodity back then, you know, you no, didn't have yeah. bags full of trail cameras. You had that one and you really protected it. Uh, but you know, then as the years went by, I picked up a couple others and different brands and, and, you know, just like most guys running maybe four to five regular trail cams. And, and that's kind of how it all started. And, and then once we got this property, uh, that myself and my brother, brother-in-law and a couple of really good buddies, uh, we manage about 550 acres where we hunt. Uh, and, and that's when we really started using the trail cameras heavily is, is once we started trying to, you know, shoot mature bucks and, and really uh, be patient and, and watch those deer grow up and, you know, make sure we're taking the number of does and, and things like that. So definitely we're on the quality deer management side of things. And uh, we, we really rely on trail cameras in that aspect. Yeah. Yeah, you, you didn't want to carry a whole bag of cameras around back in the early days. <laughs> You'd break your no. bag. I know. Absolutely. I guess the I don't remember the what model the first camera I had was because I when I started it was film. 
And but I do remember right, the, the right. I do remember my first digital was was a Moultrie and man those things were huge. I think it took like sixty huge. batteries or something. And oh, absolutely! Yeah, they were they were monstrous, but uh, they were. But was, you know, go ahead. I, to this day, I still hear guys. I, I mean, to this very day, I still have guys say, "Hey, I've got that original digital one, man. I'm, it's still running. It's still running." <laughs> yeah, those things were tanks for sure. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that, that's neat. But man, it, it was exciting. Uh, just you know, being able to have that capability when it when it was new, and I remember I'm, I can really date myself here. Even r- before the trail camera, I had one of those um, trail timers. I don't know if you ever seen it, but it was yeah, it was just a yeah. digital clock and a string that you strung across the trail. That's you know, <laughs> the, man, but you really thought you were do- doing something sneaky. Oh yeah, I mean, it was amazing. Like you. You thought you, this was going to be it. This is going to do it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you go out there and check that thing. And, you know, all you knew was something w- walked by the string <laughs> at this time. You didn't have any idea what at it was or, <laughs> or what came after oh, it. Oh, man. Oh, but, but whatever it took to get you fired up. Oh, you know, yeah. Because it, it, it worked on me. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So let's talk a little bit about you. You've touched on it some, but as far as what role trail cameras play now in your annual hunting strategy, I mean, how kind of give us a breakdown of, of how you're using them. Um, you know, what kind of places you're, you're hanging them on and, uh, you know, are you constantly moving them or are you just, you know, right. how's that all work for you? Well, so the way we utilize them, uh, like I was saying, it's a small group of, of guys. We're all like-minded. Uh, you know, we, we set out saying, let's shoot, deer that are four and a half years old or better, you know, we'll do our best to age them and, and try to stick to that. And so on our place, uh, it's in East central Alabama. So we, we've got some, some lower spots, uh, with some nice larger fields and, you know, then there's some really steep, rugged terrain on that property as well. And, and 350 acres of it, we, we actually lease from a timber company. So it's managed for timber real steep hollows and hills. So, you know, it's, it's not the easiest ground to hunt. And so we don't try to just go and hunt every square inch of it. We don't, we don't go in every hollow and in every place trying to get in after the deer. We, we kind of let them come out to the food plots and we have some, uh, using feeders is legal in Alabama. So we'll have some lanes through those pines where we might have a feeder set up and, you know, you're, you're checking those deer crossing back and forth. So you know, we kind of have feed locations and then food plots. We, we, uh, you know, we lime our plots. We follow the soil test to a T. So we've got really good food on the place. And that's kind of where we focus our efforts. Um, so that's where we'll put our cameras, uh, on the, the food plots. We'll put them on our, all our feeders. And, uh, you know, over time, we've kind of learned, you know, how the deer maneuver and use the land. So, there's some places that are obviously more productive than others. And when we're putting those late July cameras to kind of take inventory, you know, we pretty much know where those are going. Hey, this, this area has got a lot of does. Let's see what's going on there. We've got other little secluded areas where it tends to have bachelor groups of bucks. And so we'll go ahead and set up in those areas and start taking that inventory and, and seeing what deer we're working with and, you know, what we've got on the property. And then we'll, we'll pretty much maintain that, uh, throughout the hunting season. So again, um, you know, as the deer start to work into the pre-rut, we start finding some rub lines, some scrape lines, things like that. 
we'll deploy a camera there, you know, try to see, okay, is this, are they coming through on a regular time basis? Is it all at two o'clock at night? You know, all those things kind of help. Is, is this even a spot worth sitting and hunting? And so that, that's pretty much how we use them, uh, you know, throughout most of the year. Okay. So, so stationary for the most part until, you know, scrapes, r- rubs, that kind of stuff pop up and then, and then start deploying. That's so right. to, I got you. Yeah. And, and we just do that to keep the pressure as low as possible on the grounds. Uh, we, we just, we try to keep the human intrusion out as much as possible. So it, you know, it's kind of, that's our philosophy and the way we work it. So it kind of leaves us more stationary. Whereas, you know, someone else may be moving about a lot more, especially on public land. And you would probably be moving those cameras more often. Right. How many cameras do y'all typically run on the property there? So, yeah, I was looking at that uh, before I came on here. I think we were running, uh, regularly running about nine of the cell cams this year. Uh, now, each year, uh, like I said, it's it's real rugged where we hunt. So, a lot of the bottoms, you can't get cell coverage whatsoever. So we can't even run them in certain areas. So we're up on the ridges, the select areas that actually get the cell service will we'll run cell cameras. That could be a food plot. That could be a feeder. Uh, it, it might be just a, a regular way they cross a saddle or something normally. Uh, so we'll utilize the cell cameras in those areas. And then in those bottom spots where we either have food plots or you know, it's a, it's a good travel corridor or something. We'll run a, uh, we probably have about five traditional cameras that will run in those areas. Okay. I got you. Has the, the invention of, of cell cameras, has that changed the way that y'all run cameras or is it pretty much just swapping out, you know, what you were doing before with, with these cell cameras? No, it's, it's absolutely changed the way. I mean, uh, it, it's every year it's, it seems like we get a little bit better service where we're hunting. Uh, so like this year we were able to add three new cell cameras because the service, uh, picked up in those spots, whereas previously we, we wouldn't be able to do that. So now that we can run cameras there, the cell cameras, we have them. So any place we can put one, we put it because it's given us the, the up to the minute Intel, you know, so it, you know, I, myself and, and my hunting partners, we're like the majority of guys. We're weekend warriors. Um, you know, we've got family work duties all through the week. So, you know, Saturday morning and, and Sunday morning, you know, we're fired up. We're ready to go. And you can monitor that movement th- through the week. And and that's where cell cameras, I've learned so much more about deer pattern and their reactions to weather and moon phases and different things. It, there is a definite ebb and flow on our property, you know, based on certain criteria that we've seen over time and what time of year is it and, and how they're moving through. So we've become smarter uh, in our hunting ability on that property just because, you know, if, if you if you got 10 cameras and you have to pull SD cards, you know, when you get back to your computer and you've got a stack of cards and you start looking at stuff, it runs to, unless you're detailing your notes out you're not putting all those, uh, you know, okay, this was the same day as the deer moving here or the deer moving here, you know, the cell cams kind of put that network, that layout together and you can in real time kind of visualize patterns of deer movements. And so that, that really helps too. Yeah, that's a great point. I've never thought of it like that, but, 
But yeah, you're right. When you go out and check five or six trail cameras that have been out for a month, it's a little harder to put together the pieces of a deer moved on all five cameras on this day as opposed to, yeah. And I'm not good enough. I'm not good enough to do it. No, I I, I, I don't do a good job of keeping that stuff organized as much as I should. I tend to just pull out, okay, here's the good bucks and where were they at and when and. Uh, but, but yeah, that's, I hadn't thought of that, that benefit of, you know, there's a lot of benefits of these cell cameras for sure, but that's, that's interesting. Now. Yeah. You're, you're definitely more in tune with the animals and their movement on your property, especially from, you know, Monday through Friday, you, you kind of say, okay, I really know where I want to go come Saturday morning. Yeah, absolutely. And man, just n- not to mention how fun it is to get those text uh, text messages. Oh yeah, <laughs> oh yeah, seeing that uh, something something's moving on the camera. Oh, uh, <laughs> absolutely. Now you mentioned something in there about the uh, the improved service and being able to put these more these additional cameras out. Is that an improvement in as far as like more cell towers out there, or is that an improvement in the trail camera technology itself? Well, I, I think it's both, actually. Um, the, the improvement at our place uh, where cell signals, I mean, I think we just had our eighth year as a, you know, our own little hunting club group. And in the very beginning, uh, uh, I mean, even getting a, a text message out was hard to do on a phone. Uh, so they've definitely added towers. And we've also had a, a large area timbered. So that freed up a lot of, you know, trees that would be blocking a signal, especially from a farther distance away. So we've done some of that, but each model seems to run better than the previous years, uh, like in, a, in those same locations. So it does seem like, you know, whether I think it's probably a combination of both the camera technology along with better cellular reception in those areas. And, and you know, I'm sure 4G helps out with that as well. Yeah. Can you talk a little bit about that? I actually had that that down as a question I wanted to touch on a, a little later in the podcast, but since you brought it up, can you can you talk a little bit about that? You know, you you hear about three G, four G, five G. What's that really mean to a, a trail camera user? Um, as in yeah. terms of practical use of the camera. No, I absolutely, and I'll tell you if I if I didn't work for Moultrie Mobile, I wouldn't know. <laughs> That's <laughs> right. So I, I've learned a lot of things that I, I didn't know I needed to know, but uh, no. So yeah, so 3G, uh, it, it's it's just standing for the uh, cellular technology. So 3G was third generation. Um, all of our cameras and modems now uh, currently at Moultrie Mobile are on 4G. So we're not making any products that are the old 3G technology. Uh, that was our MV1 modem series. and um, I'm, I'm a little bit off on the dates, but I do think those finally went out of service, though there may still be some of those running. I, I'm not full because it would be based on when the cell company was going to sunset those towers, the 3G towers. Well, um, Lindsay, so everything's on. Yeah. Lin, I hate, didn't mean to interrupt you there, but Lindsay, yeah. Lindsay Thomas and I were just talking about that the other day. He just, uh, one of his MV1s just quit like here recently. He okay. had been working all along and he had went to, went all to replace along. the batteries and it, it was done <laughs> as far as, that, as far as sending, it, you know, the pictures anymore. But yeah. And it is. And, and that's what once, once they shut off that, uh, that service in the area that 
there's nothing we can do on our end because, you know, they say, hey, we're we're sunsetting our 3G network. And now, you know, that obviously doesn't happen overnight. That that came on over a course of years. And, and so currently we're on 4G. But, you know, I'm sure a lot of guys wonder, well, man, I see all these 5G commercials now. And heck, my phone, my new phone's 5G. So, when, you know, how long are these cameras going to work for? And, and, you know, we're not even currently on a 5G camera. So that'll that'll be down the line and it'll be a rollout type deal. Uh, just like it worked with 3G, but it it, it does key and, and it, it matters the cell carrier. We use AT and T and Verizon, so it's based off of their decisions when those uh, you know would sunset. Which it it takes a it takes quite a bit of time to do that. So it, I feel confident that 4G will be running for for a good while from here. Yeah, well, get, getting back a little bit to the actual you know, use of the trail camera, I- any tips that you have as far as the settings on the camera? Um, you know, there's a lot of different settings on these cameras, um, sensor sensitivity, time delay, you know, multi-shot, all that stuff. Do you have any any advice? And, and I know it's going to be dependent on your circumstances, but kind of, you know, any tips on, on getting the, the most out of your camera with those different settings? Absolutely. And, and, I'm glad you brought that up because I do think the settings are, are where the uh, the camera user really has the ability to dictate, you know, a certain number of things. But most importantly, is going to be battery life. Um, and, and that's the thing. I would say that's probably one of the biggest pain points with cellular cameras is guys want those batteries to run longer. Um, and and settings will heavily affect that. And, and I'll go into that for a little bit. But so when I'm when I'm looking at settings, I'm kind of looking at it from the standpoint of okay, um, you know, I want a picture obviously of the animal. I want to know what animals are coming through an area, but I also want to, uh, you know, um, I don't want so many. Like I don't need uh, eight to ten pictures of the same group of does at a feeder. I'm just uh, it's it's a wasted image. It's going to use data, uh, you know, for the cellular data to send that. And the more it sends, the more power it's consuming. So the, the settings I like to stick with on my cameras, and again, uh, mine are more stationary. Uh, remember, they're on feeders. They're on food plots. They're, they're heavily used areas. So I'm going to get a lot more images. If you're setting up on a trail, a scrape line, a rub line, where you may only get five images a day, well then, you know, you'll, there's no reason to alter your setting to have a delay. Just let it fire away because you want to capture whatever's coming down that trail. But at a feeder, I, you know, does are going to come, they're going to feed for 15, 20 minutes. Well, I don't, I don't need all those images. So I'll set my camera to take one shot, one image. Um, it'll be photo only. I turn the video mode off. The videos are super cool, super helpful. They allow you to see where deer are coming and going more readily, but they're a huge power suck. Uh, just recording that video is, is it's a big drain on the battery. So I do one shot. I do a motion delay uh, of one to five minutes, depending how heavy the activity is on that feeder. Um, so now I'm only getting those images, you know, really cutting down on the redundancy. But it's a it's a short enough time that. If a buck comes in, you know, you, chances are you're going to get an image of the deer you're wanting to see. Um, the other thing is when the camera is actually sending 
the images to uh, the cellular network via the cellular network. So it's going to a cloud-based server. That's another big power suck. Uh, whenever it's transmitting those images cellularly, it's using a lot of the battery. So one thing we recommend, you know, guys get a cell camera and they're like all of us, they get excited and they, I want to see when that deer is moving. I want to get the notification. Well, you're really eating through the battery when that camera has to send the image because it, you can set it to immediate and you'll get that image within minutes of it being captured. But it's really going to uh, burn through those batteries much quicker on immediate. So I set it to twice per day. You can control that. So only twice per day will my images load uh, to the cloud-based server. So that helps on battery life. Um, and another thing uh, folks don't realize is photo resolution. Uh, so the, the actual resolution you set on the camera to, to be saved on your SD card, the higher that is, the larger those files are. The more files you have on an SD card, the longer that camera has to scroll through that library to look for what images it hasn't sent. So th th those are just kind of the, the inside workings, just kind of share with guys how the camera operates and at what times is it really drawing the power on those batteries. And, you know, so I would, I always recommend if battery life is a big deal to you, put it on motion detect one to five minutes, one shot with a photo, uh, have it on a medium to low resolution, and then regularly format uh, the SD card. And, and that, that will help battery life. That will help functionality and everything in the camera. Okay. So if it sends 10 photos individually, that uses more battery life than if it sends those 10 photos all at one time then. Yeah. And no, that's a great question. So, so if you have it fire up right now, it has to connect with the server, has to then communicate back and forth. So there's a kind of a, I, I'm using fire up for the lack of better word. Right. It's, it's starting that communication. So once it reaches it, it has that it's communicating, it transmitted, transmits the image. And then there's a shutdown period. Well, the, the fire up and the shutdown, all that, the boot up is what really uses the battery. So if you're going to have that camera boot up and start com communicating, you might as well go ahead and have it send all of the data it's got. So send those 10 images and it's going to use less power than if you send 10 images individually, if that makes sense. Okay. Yeah. Yep. Learn something yeah. new there. That's, that's interesting. No, absolutely. And I try to share this with guys because that's usually what we hear is, is the batteries, uh, and, and also, I highly recommend uh, any external power source if you're running a cell cam. Um, you know, there's, there's nice little solar panel units. There's external battery boxes. You know, I highly recommend uh, whatever camera you're using to go with one of those options because it does free up that camera to just work and do what you want it to do and not have to go change those batteries out uh, as frequent. Okay. And and then the other thing you said there then it so it's a good idea to to clean those photos off your SD card then as you Absolutely. as you check that out. Because I yeah, I didn't realize that. It actually uses more battery life looking for a the picture. That's right. Out. Okay. Because unlike a traditional trail cam that just writes those files to the SD card, I mean, it doesn't have to go back and look at those. Uh, right. you know, a cell camera goes back and it's saying, Okay, what did I send? What did I send? finds the new data and, and that's what it sends. But that that's the cool part about the cellular cameras is all of the functions, all of the settings in the Moultrie mobile cameras, 
you can't even do anything on the face of the cellular camera anymore. Uh, it's all with the app. So you, all your settings, you change remotely. Uh, you could do it sitting there at your desk right now or driving down, you know, if you're at your buddy's house, it doesn't matter. You can, you can format that SD card. You can change your settings. So if you see it and you don't like the way it's working, you're like, Hey, this is using too much battery or I'm not getting enough pictures of the deer I want to see. You can change it. And, and next time that that camera communicates, it'll change those settings in there. Yeah. And that's one thing I have the, uh, the XV 6,000. And yeah, and yeah I do love Absolutely. that. It's, it's pretty much idiot proof as far as the camera itself. Cause like you said, all, you just put your SD card in, turn the thing on and, and you're good to go. Um, you know, you don't have to worry you're about right. running through all the different options and, and figuring out what you need on the camera itself, because like you said, it's all there on the app. So yeah, absolutely. I, I, I do like that a lot. Um, kind of, I guess kind of shifting gears here and we'll, we'll get back a little more into the camera specifics here in a little bit, as far as, you know, maybe choosing a camera and stuff, but I did want to uh, touch on a, a topic that's come up recently and, and, um, you know, gotten a lot of attention and that's the Boone and Crockett not allowing entries, or at least my understanding is that they won't allow entries that use cell cameras to, you know, to assist in taking of a, of a deer. Um, is that, is that the case? And, and I guess what are, what are your feelings on that? Yeah. So, so yeah, I mean, first of all, Moultrie Mobile is, you know, 100% supports fair chase. Uh, we stand behind that fully. Um, I think where the Boone and Crockett language uh, is a bit vague, um, you know, it just it refers to if you if you use a cellular device uh, camera that it automatically uh, even if you're using it on a spot and and you harvest a trophy animal there, just the fact that it's being used, uh, you know, is saying that that's outside of the fair chase rules. Um, we feel like the Pope and Young actually you know, uh, did a better job of, of explaining how they view it. Um, and, and if, you know, if you don't mind me reading, um, no, go ahead. The Pope and young, their, the Pope and young's position is, uh, it says it receiving a wireless image, photo, video, uh, GPS coordinates, et cetera, which elicits an immediate response. So a real time response. So if you get that picture on your phone and you're out hunting and you say, this animal is, in front of our camera, let's go. And so if you're saying, if you get that image and you use it in that way to then pursue that animal, then the Pope and Young says that's outside of fair chase. But the actual use of just using the camera fits inside of the fair chase rule. So, you know, that that's really where we stand on it is, is you know, just that language. We, we feel like Moultrie Mobile fits well within the fair chase rules. And, you know, just the action of using the camera, uh, you know, to, to manage game or to be more in tune with what's going on on our property, uh, you know, we, we don't think that's outside of the rules of fair chase. Right. Yeah. And I, uh, yeah, I think that's fair. And I did notice that as I was researching this was that, that Pope and Young actually took a little different approach to it. And that, that makes a lot right. of sense. Yeah. There's a, a big difference in just getting some pictures of a deer or, or maybe you're running that camera and you haven't even got pictures of that deer you killed, but you were using it. Um, yeah. That, In that vicinity. Yeah. It's, it's, there's just too much vagueness yeah. there. Whereas Pope and Young spells it out. I, and I think, I think they did a good job with that by saying if, if elicits 
the hunter response to pursue that animal that's outside of the fair chase rules. Yeah. Are there any states that just completely don't allow cellular cameras? Yeah. Um, and I'm not fully up on all of them, but, uh, I'm pretty certain Arizona I know is one where, uh, you cannot use it. Um, again, I don't know fully, but I do know, uh, some of the, the rules around ca- the cell cameras and, and things. It's, it's usually around the fair chase, uh, dialogue, um, and things like that. But, um, I, you know, I know out in the arid Southwest, uh, just there's some issues with trail cameras in, in general, uh, you know, on watering holes and, and things like that I've, I've read about, but um, I'm not up to speed on, on every state's rules on the cell camera. Yeah. Yeah. I guess I should know this. We actually put that in our, our deer report here. I can't remember if it was last year or year before, but we did, we did a, a report on, it was trail cameras and drones and that kind of stuff. And you know, which states allowed right. them and which didn't, but I couldn't, um, but yeah, I do remember that it was some of the arid Southwest, like you said, that, that are having issues with people fighting over water and holes and that kind of stuff. But that's uh, right. Yeah, that's right. While we're on the, the topic of ethics, I guess let's, let's talk a little bit about camera theft. Um, have you found that with cellular cameras or, or would be camera thieves a little more hesitant to, to steal a cellular camera you think, or does it, does it really seem to make a difference? You know, I, I don't have any numbers to back that up. It does, does it seem like it happens more or less? Unfortunately, I know it happens often enough because, because we hear about it. Um, you know, uh, multi-mobile subscriber, you know, will, will contact us about, Hey, my camera's been stolen. And is there any way that I can, you know, track it down? And, and unfortunately in the past that there were no options, uh, on our end, but, with our new uh, cell camera, the Delta, that we'll be launching here in, in just a few weeks, um, we actually put GPS on that camera. So uh, inside the Multimobile app, there's an interactive map. You can do satellite views, uh, road views, uh, and all that. And you can see where, where that camera is. So as long as it's on or was turned on you know, somewhere connected, uh, it'll show up as a GPS location on that map. So you know, that should be one way to help uh, if cameras are stolen, um, you know, so because that was a big thing that people asked for was that it had GPS uh, capabilities. And of course, um, we, we are making, uh, you know, lock boxes for the new Delta. We have them for our X-Series cameras because, you know, that that is an issue, uh, unfortunately, is, is theft. Yeah, well, that's great. Yeah, that GPS will be very nice feature for sure. Now, is there any way, Absolutely. even without GPS, is there any way, you know, if somebody calls you and says my cell camera has been, been stolen, can you guys disable it where it, it won't function? Or, I mean, I guess it'll still function as a regular trail camera, but can you disable it to where they wouldn't be able to, the, the thief wouldn't be able to use it as a cell camera? Yeah, so absolutely. So that camera could be deactivated. Um, and then it would have to be activated again, but in order to activate it, they would have to call in and provide, you know, a verification of being the owner, uh, which is, you know, that's why we always tell folks to register their cameras because that's part of, you know, what could help in, in theft is, uh, there's certain info that, that our team will have to know if it's the, the proper owner. They have to show proof of purchase, things like that. So, um, it would basically 
be a useless device at that point. Um, unfortunately, you know, the person's still out there camera. Right, but right. Yeah, it, it, yeah it, it would be uh, disabled. Yeah, at least I guess you'd have the satisfaction of knowing at least the thief isn't out there enjoying your camera. But that's right. Hopefully, they get frustrated. <laughs> <laughs> On that note, I guess have have you ever had any kind of funny or outrageous stories from people about you know somebody's camera being stolen or? Oh gosh, uh, no. You know, I'm I'm trying to think, uh, especially on the cell cam side. I no, but you know, there's a uh, a lot of people are using, uh, we have a, a quite a few multimodal subscribers that use the camera purely as a security uh, device. So whether that's at a remote property looking over a gated road or at their, uh, you know, their cabin or, or remote house on a property, or we have folks using them at marinas to watch their boats or RV storage, um, all these places where you wouldn't have a internet hookup and could could hook up a traditional kind of security camera. They're using uh, multi-mobile and cellular cameras to do that. And in addition, uh, just some of the features on multi-mobile is it, each image, uh, it automatically scans it for deer, so bucks, does, turkey, but they've also built in uh, people and vehicles. So you could actually get notifications from individual cameras uh, saying there was a person or a vehicle in this image that was just recently taken. So it does have some cool security uh, aspect to it, but I, I can't think of a, a great story uh, off, off the top of my head though. Yeah, th- this was, this was pre-cell cellular cameras, but I actually used uh, a trail camera that has been several years ago, but to catch a, uh, a neighborhood kid was actually stealing mail out of her mailbox and uh, set up oh, a, I, set up a <laughs> I set up a trail camera and caught it. We had a pretty guy, good idea who it was, but we, you know we needed uh, needed some proof, and that was all it took. You know the, the sheriff went over oh, there with man. some pictures, and of course he fessed up and gave back everything oh, he had man. taken at that point. But yeah, I mean, he was just a kid, well, but yeah, it was right. Oh, uh, yeah, right. Kind of, kind of. That's common. still it's aggravating on, on y'all's end, uh, not getting your mail. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it actually yeah, like stolen some birthday money. My my parents had sent uh, my kids and stuff, so yeah, it was it was a mess. But anyway, yeah. yeah. But since since you touched on it there, let's let's talk a little bit about Moultrie Mobile, about the actual you know app and the software, because that's you know beyond just the the cameras themselves, which which I've been very happy with my my Moultrie cell cam that I got and and my non cell cams as well, but. Uh, you know, the, the software, that app is a really cool feature, really cool part of it. Can you talk a little bit about that and just, you know, some of the capabilities there and features you, you mentioned or briefly kind of touched yeah. on the, the, the animal ID and stuff there and, and how that can be, you know, a big time saver for guys getting, getting lots of pictures out there. So. Absolutely. So, yeah, that's what, uh, you know, I kind of want to tell people and explain you know, how does the whole cell camera thing work? I say, well, you know, there's the hardware side, which is the camera. And it's, it's like any camera. It's, that's what it is. There it is. It's, it's taking pictures and, and submitting them. Uh, but the, the actual heart of, of the multimodal system, I guess the, the piece that brings it to life is the app. That's where you can uh, utilize so many of the features. And it's, it's a completely free app. Uh, you just get on there and set up an account. And that's where you would activate your cameras via the app and, and everything like that. But, 
Yeah. So, so you, you, you set up your account, all your images are uploaded to the app. So it's cloud-based servers, uh, your app. And if say you don't use a smartphone, um, there's a website, the multimobile.com website, you can log into your uh, account the same way. So, you know, you can do it from a computer or a phone. And, uh, from there, that's where you drive. That's where you drive the whole system. Like we, uh, we touched on, you can, uh, you have remote settings. So all your camera settings are remote. You can change those any, any time. Uh, it's 24 seven access. So you just open that app anytime you want to look at your images and you can scroll through them. And then like I touched on with the species recognition type software, it, it uses artificial intelligence and it automatically recognizes, you know, we, we've got one for deer. We've got one for doe, uh, for buck, you know, you, or you could do both doe and buck, you know, just deer and it'll, it'll pick out those images. Uh, we've got it for turkey. Uh, we've, let's see what else. And, and then, like I said, person and vehicle. So in the background, the software is automatically scanning these images, notating it with what they call a smart tag and say it's a buck, it'll say buck and, and that'll be tagged on there as such. Well, you can then go through, uh, you can do it per individual camera or, you know, say you haven't looked at your cameras all day and, and you want to see what kind of buck movement you've got. Well, you can click uh, on that buck smart tag and it'll only serve up the images with bucks in it. So you don't have to look through all the doe pictures. You don't have to look through all the raccoon pictures and all that stuff. You can go ahead and see, oh, okay, here's the bucks that came through on camera today. And and like I said, vice versa with the turkey, uh, which is great in turkey season. Um, but you can also, there's a, a whole library of what we call filters. And those are just easy ways to, to look through your images. Um, and another thing on Multri Mobile, we never delete the images. Uh, there's a lot of plans out there. You get like a month free of the, the image storage or, or you have to pay extra. I always just say, you know, read the fine print because, you know, we never delete an image. Uh, I've been on the Moultrie mobile system personally since 2016, and I've probably only deleted a handful of images. So I actually can go back and look at bucks from 2016 and, and things like that. And you can create custom tags. So, you know, we all like to name bucks, you know, when we see them, you know, are they on the hit list or whatever we want to say. And, so you can create custom tags for those the name of those bucks. So say there's one that, you know, you, you call them big eight and you can create that tag. And every time that deer shows up in a picture, you can apply that tag just by clicking a button to that image. And then you can track that deer. You can track the temperature, time of day, uh, moon phase, different things like that. Um, but now to make that easier, and I guess it's, kind of like a sneak peek. Uh, it, it should be releasing in another week or so. I've been messing with it. Is, uh, it's called activity charting. So now all those data points I was telling you about that it, that's in every image, is it a buck? Is it a doe? Is it a turkey? What's the temperature? What's the time of day? All that data is auto-fed into the system. And then what it does is you go to activity charting on the app and it's got three different graphs. So one is a time of day breakdown and it's got six different, uh, six four hour sections that represent a 24 hour period. It's all color coded. You can tap on that. So say, say you've got heavy afternoon movement in that two to six time frame. You can tap on that section and it'll literally show you what cameras, 
uh, it was showing that had the most. So you can really fine tune cameras. Say, all right, the deer are really moving in the afternoon. You can, you can, uh, you know, uh, search that by uh, time of day, uh, different dates, the moon phase. I was telling you that, and then temperature was the other one that shows up as a bar graph. And it's pretty cool. Like when I put in like our typical rut, like January time frame here, and you know, it showed the deer were typically moving in this certain temperature range. And then obviously there was definitely highlights of time of day movement. So you can really start fine tuning your, your scouting and, and even honing in on an individual buck, uh, all with this activity charting. And, and you know, any, any of this stuff I'm talking about, uh, someone can download the app for free or go online to multimobile.com and we have a, a free demo version. And it's, it's fully functional. It's hooked to actual live cameras that are out in the woods. So you can really get the feel for how the app works. And I can, I can sit here and explain it, and it, and it probably sounds boring, but it's, it's really, really cool what you can do with it. Yeah. Oh, no, it's definitely not boring to a deer nerd. <laughs> but, so is that going to, the, the activity tracking, is that just going to be a standard feature then on the app? or? That's going to be, so when that launches, all uh, a guy that has an account already, he just have to go in, update that app, and then the activity charting will be on there. So um, that, the interactive maps, uh, the artificial species recognition, all that stuff, um, it, it's, it's all free. It's all part of the app. If you have a subscription, a monthly subscription, and you're getting images, you know, you'll be able to utilize that. If you cancel that uh, subscription and, you know, you still have your images on there, obviously, you can still utilize all those features. They don't go away just because you you cancel them. You just won't be getting new images loading onto the app is all. Okay, I got you. Man, is, are there any? I'm curious. You got, got the wheels spinning there. You guys are collecting such a massive data set there with all these yeah. images. And, and like you said, being able to look at them by sex and, and activity, daylight, dark, weather, all that stuff. Is Are there any researchers tapping into that? Are you guys, any researchers working with you guys on? Hey, we know some good ones at, at the NDA. So, yeah. I mean, you yeah. know, that, I, I think that might be something cool to work on. But you're you're 100% right. Um, it's, I mean, it's capturing massive data. Uh, and, and and I'd it'd be cool to see how that could be used to to look at yeah like you said because it is such a massive oh, set yeah. of data yeah that'd be very cool. Now does the yeah I, I know on the pictures you're talking about how it'll it'll tag on you know doe buck and then it gives you the option to correct that right if if it mislabels That's something right. does it actually learn from that process or a hundred percent it it did so so every time someone clicks on that was was that right or wrong. It helps that system learn. So it is. It's a learning system. Um, before we launched that, uh, that project was worked on on the back end uh, for a long time. I mean, and it was fed many, many, many images uh, because it had to learn. It had to learn all those little nuances and features, that, you know, especially with a rack or something. Is it, is it a rack or is it, is it a feeder leg behind its head? You know, like, so it's, it's some different things, but, but every time you, you tell, let it know that was right or wrong, it, it is learning from that experience and it only becomes better at, at what it does. Yeah. So how, how far away do you think we are from being able to, 
or or for the the system being able to pick out individual bucks and that kind of thing and you know and and I don't have any numbers I know guys are our team works on this stuff and and I mean I wish you could meet them. It's, it's guys far smarter than I am <laughs> and uh, I mean they yeah. It's it is super interesting stuff, but I you know I don't I don't know I don't know when that's coming, but I gotta believe it's it's just around the corner. I mean, there's been so many uh, just advancements in technology and software, and you know ultimately that's what what our team is is trying to build on, on the multimobile app is you know we want it to be your one stop app. We you know. We're, we're looking at things, uh, you know, kind of a, a sneak peek towards the future. You know, we're going to we're going to have a weather integrated weather uh, into the app as well. So that's going to be more data that, that's pulled in. So it, it's really, really cool to see how all this is coming together. And and it's going to help guys, you know, it's going to help them learn how those deer move on their property, you know, and, and, and just help them be better, uh, you know, hunters, better managers of the land and the, the animals. Yeah. So where where do you think? trail cameras go from here i mean i know you you've touched on you know there's a lot of i guess still still room for advancements in the in the software side of it but the you think the cameras what's next do you think for cameras or are we kind of peaked on on their capabilities i guess you know that's a, that's a good question and and just when you think they're they're peaked i mean they keep going up like you know now now our new uh, Delta cameras, you know, you're looking at 32 megapixel images. Now, you know, obviously it's, it's, you're not transmitting that cellularly unless you request a high res image, but I mean, it's, it's putting those on the SD card in such, uh, you know, high crisp quality. It, it's amazing. Uh, the nighttime sensors in them, you know, make those night images super clean and clear. Uh, you know, it's hard to say on the camera end where, you know, maybe on the video side, uh, it, it, there, there's, there's probably room for, for growth there when you kind of look at some of the, the security camera, um, technology and things like that. But, uh, yeah, the, the software end is, is I think where it can just continue to grow and grow and just, you know, harness all that data that it's putting in there and, and give you something that's that's real and tangible that's like, oh, well, I see how this can help me now be a better hunter or, or hunt that specific buck I'm after. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That that uh, the whole activity tracking thing definitely uh, get, gets me excited. You know, it's something I, I know a lot of guys out there have done for years, like manually, you know, have to go through right, the pictures right. and, and, you know, write this stuff down or put it in a spreadsheet or whatever. But, yeah, just to be able to pull that information up at, at your fingertips and. Yeah. And and it is. I've I've been using. I've been testing it the last couple of weeks, and you literally click on it, and there's all your cameras. It's showing here's how many bucks moved through. Here's how many does came through. Here's the times. I mean, it's it's really awesome. It's it's amazing uh, what it what all it can show you. Yeah. Well, you've already touched on this a little bit, but what um, what's kind of the the new stuff there at at Moultrie? Um, unfortunately, the you know, I'm used to the uh, the ATA show being my my place to go and yeah. see all this new gear and get to you know touch it and and see everything. And of course, that hasn't happened the last two years now, or at least yeah. not in person. So uh, right. I did, you know, missed out on on all the new stuff. So what what's uh, what have you guys got going on there at Moultrie? 
Well, you know, from the, the Moultrie Mobile standpoint, uh, we've got our new Delta camera uh, that, that will be hitting the shelves here sometime in June. So we're really excited about that. Um, I mean, that's built from the ground up, brand new unit. Uh, and and it, unlike the Moultrie cameras in the past, the cell cameras, um, this one will uh, send you video clips. So, um, you know, like the 6,000 that you have, you, you, you realize like you can only send the photos with it. Um, you, you can't send video. So the Delta now uh, does send video clips over. Uh, it's, it's on a request so you can have it shooting video and photos. Um, and if you see one and, and you're like, well, I'd like to see, you know, what was going on, you can request that. and It'll send you, I, I think it's a 15 second video clip with sound. Um, so, so that's pretty cool. Uh, but yeah, the, and, and the Delta is, you know, it's, it's a top shelf camera and it's, I think we're selling it at like 99, 99. Oh, so wow. It doesn't have a huge price barrier on it. We, we didn't want to create a barrier before someone is even able to try out the cellular market. Uh, cause you know, that's, there's so many new and people coming and, and getting on the cellular camera uh, kick, you know, each year, each season, that number continues to grow because they see their friends using it. And, you know, the prices have gotten better and, and, and all that. So a guy sees it's affordable. And then especially once he uses it and sees it, he realizes, oh, man, that, I want to run cell cameras. You know, this, this is great. Yeah, it's man, it's just amazing to me how quickly the the price came down on those and they became affordable to, you know, pretty much everybody. I mean, now you can get a, a good cell camera for less than what you used to pay for a, a regular trail camera. It's uh, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Well, one thing, and I skipped this earlier. I did want you to touch on, cause I see a lot of guys confused about this on social media, guys that are new to the whole cellular camera thing. And that's the data plans. I think there's still yeah. a lot of perception out there that they have to like add this, this trail camera to their cell phone plan or something. Can you talk yeah. a little bit about how the, the data side of it works? Yeah. So, you know, th there's good reason for the confusion out there um, because not everybody, not, not all cell camera companies handle it the same. So there are some out there that you, you add it to your phone plan, your actual cellular phone plan. Um, the, the thing that, you know, I really like about Moultrie Mobile is it's all handled with Moultrie Mobile. So you set up your account, uh, you, you download the free app and all that. And then once you're ready, so then you go out and you buy a camera. So now you have a Moultrie Mobile cellular camera. You can use the app to activate that camera. And, and during that activation process, you know, you enter your credit card or debit card info. It's stored in, in the app. It's a secure app. It's stored in there. And you sign up for the plan you want. So you know, say this camera is going to be set over a feeder or a food plot with lots of activity, you know, we would recommend a guy just choose the unlimited plan. That way he can get as many photos as he wants per month. There's no cap on it. I think that's uh, around $16.99, something like that, if you pay per month. And then if you pay up front for a year, it's even reduced per month. That's like $12.99, something like that. But, you know, so you have a couple options and you would choose it during that activation time. So there's a monitor plan for folks that like to run it more as a security, say on a gate where it's not going to get triggered a lot by animals or something. But if a person or a vehicle pulls up, obviously they'll get that. Um, we have a large plan for someone, 
you know, who maybe uses a, a thousand images a month. They don't need the unlimited, you know, so there's flexibility built in. And, and then there's the, the unlimited plan. Uh, there's no cap on that. You get as many images as that your camera takes. And then we also offer a, a plan where, say you're a guy that's running, uh, you know, three to five or maybe 10 cellular cameras, all multi-mobile. You can put those all on one plan and, and start to save money over, over the time, like the more of those cameras you're running. So, yeah, so you do sign up for that monthly plan. And so that gives you an image count, whether it's unlimited, a thousand, whatever. And then that allows your camera, once it's activated, uh, you're subscribed, you, you know, it, char- it automatically charges the credit card. Then you start receiving those images and you don't, this, you don't mess with your cell phone. Um, in fact, the only options through Moultrie Mobile are Verizon and AT&T. So the way you would choose is you, whatever gets the best reception at your place, your hunting land, where you're going to run that camera. You know, if, if Verizon's the best one, simply choose the Verizon camera and you'll sign up, set it up through Moultrie Mobile all the same. But it, it, so there's never any cross pollination of anything with your cell phone bill. It's, it's completely separate. Yeah. Yeah. I, that, that seems to be the main point of confusion I see with a lot of guys is they think, you know, because they have their personal cell phones, AT&T, they have to buy a trail camera that's AT&T. And that's so, right. So yeah, right. just, or, or if they have like Sprint, you know, one of the right. options we don't even carry, they'll, you know, can I still get on? And, and that's when I explain, absolutely. You, you just choose Verizon or AT&T based on what gets the better service where you're at. Yeah. And, and what I also like is you're, you're not locked into any long-term contract. I mean, I, once deer well, season was over and I pulled my cameras, you know, I, I, I Turned it off, basically, un, I guess, unsubscribed, whatever you want to call it. And then just here recently, I went back yeah. on and reactivated and I'm, I'm rolling again. So it, it is. It, and we, that's what we try to make it as simple as possible. There's never an activation fee. There's never a cancellation fee. You uh, even if you cancel your monthly subscription, you, you your full access to your account uh, is, is all the same. So you can go, but you can look at all your images that you still have on there. Well, good deal. Uh, I've had you on here now for for an hour, so I, I really uh, really appreciate your time and, and coming on here to talk trail cameras with us. Heck, I've I've learned several new things today, so I appreciate that, and I'm, I'm sure the All listeners right, will will as well. So, uh, just as far as keeping those trail cameras running and and battery life good and uh, settings and all that, so yeah, that was uh, that was good stuff for sure. Well, great. Well, thanks so much for having us on. I. I could talk hunting and trail cameras anytime. So I, the fact that it went an hour only, that doesn't surprise me. Oh, no, no. An hour goes quick when you're talking about yeah, deer right. hunting and stuff. So, yeah, absolutely. And, uh, yeah, hopefully I'll get to maybe see you in Louisville then in, in 2022, I guess, for the, the ATA show. I, sure, so. I hope so. It, it, it'd be nice to see everyone again. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I definitely, definitely missed it these last couple of years. All right, guys, that concludes our interview with Mark Olis. Uh, Thanks so much for checking out this episode of the Deer Season 365 podcast. If you haven't already, please consider subscribing to the show. You know, you can find us on all the popular podcasting platforms like Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and and several more. So about anywhere you could listen uh, listen to podcasts, you should be able to find us there. Or you can just go to deerassociation.com slash podcast and subscribe directly from our website. 
Uh, hey, we'd also love it if you take just a second to leave us a five-star rating or a written review. You know, those both help us uh, climb the, the podcasting charts and be more visible to uh, to future listeners. So we would appreciate any support you could give us there. For more information about the National Deer Association, you can visit our website, again, at deerassociation.com. From there, you can sign up for our free weekly newsletter. Hey, you can become a member. And don't forget about that podcast promo code that we talked about at the beginning of the show to get you a little bit of a discount on an annual membership and that free NDA hat. So be sure to take advantage of that. And uh, hey, just enjoy some of our several hundred articles of, of free content right there on our website, covering everything from hunting strategy to food plots, habitat improvement, um, deer management, you name it. Uh, if it's deer hunting or deer management related, we got some good content right there on our website available to you. So check that out. And of course, you can always find us on all the popular social media platforms, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube at Deer Association. So again, thanks for listening to the Deer Season 365 podcast, the podcast where deer season never ends.